This is Living Truth Podcast, where our purpose is to help you understand the Bible better, live its truth more completely, and experience your relationship with Jesus more deeply. I'm Tom Hine, and I'm your host and resource person in partnership with various guests who engage with us in dynamic conversation and stories from their own lives. Hello, everybody. It's great to have you back on Living Truth. We are continuing to talk about missions a little bit, and this is Tom, of course, and Kathy is with me. Say hello, Kathy. Hello. Yeah. Good morning. We're glad to have you back. We were just talking a little bit. We had another podcast a while ago on Revelation that we had you involved with, and today we're going a little different direction. Yes. Yeah. So... Of course, Revelation is Bible truth, and now we're talking about applying Bible truth on mission, and particularly on mission to West Africa. And I, we, we could give you the country name, but I think we'll just call it West Africa, and I'll tell you a little, little bit about where it's at, and then y'all can look it up uh, on the internet on <laughs> ubiquitous Google. Uh, so West Africa, there's Liberia. And then I was invited while I was teaching over in Liberia by a student who's a very sharp pastor to come to this particular country just north of Liberia. The uh, country that we traveled to is about 90% Muslim and a very Muslim culture early in the morning. I would hear the imam at the mosque uh, when I was either lying there just getting out of bed, and many of you may already know, um, they will cry out, Allah Akbar, which means God is great. And I mean, they broadcast this far away. We were probably mm, half a mile away from the mosque. Did you hear that in the morning? I or did not hear, hear that, In no. the evening? Yeah, generally they'll do it several times a day. And so we were gone quite a bit during the day. But especially in the morning, they really like to try to rouse people from their sleep as if to say, you should be here. Praying. And yeah, <laughs> yes. you should be here praying, call people. Okay. Now, I would uh, occasionally go for a walk, which I like to do. And I always try to greet people if it's appropriate. And so I greeted a couple of people down near the mosque, and they were very friendly. I think, you know, sometimes we have this idea that Islamic peoples, that they're not friendly. But in my experience, the people of Muslim faith that I've met are just like people in the United States in that they get married, have families work a job, trying to survive and live, and they've just latched on to a different worldview, either because of their family or because of some reason overriding in culture that they do that. But getting back to the story, so I was invited by this pastor, Samuel, and as we began to interact by email, he said, well, we know, Pastor Tom, that you would like to train pastors, and you've done this, and we're very interested in this, but we also would like to do some other training, and another part of the training we would like to do is with teachers. And so 
thought about some different people, and one of the people I thought of is Kathy. And Kathy, you said yes. Yes, I come. did. <laughs> and um, did you know what you were getting into when no, you said yes? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> How was it different than your expectations? Well, my expectations were that I would be working with a small group of women, and I would essentially be sharing the way the women at New Hope studied the, the, the Word of God. And uh, we would be going step by step. Um, when we study here at New Hope every Wednesday, we, we study a portion of Scripture and we take a small portion and, and we, we summarize the content. Then we say, what is the lesson that God is trying to teach? And then how does that apply to us? And it's been so effective and such a great way to study the scripture that I just wanted to share that with um, other people. And I thought, I basically thought that's what I was going to be doing. <laughs> yes. And, and the method, if some of you might know, is we call it inductive Bible study. And whether it's teaching in a women's study, whether it's teaching like I do to teach pastors and leaders the elements of how to do inductive Bible study, it's all very similar. But you arrived and the context was quite a bit different. And well, well, yeah. in, in your defense, you yeah. did warn me. <laughs> I did warn you. <laughs> that we were going to be doing uh, teacher training. Yes. So I kind of... You did have something for Yeah, me. Yeah, I went yeah. A, a, a different direction, and I had gotten a Ruth study ready, yeah. and so that was actually translated yeah. into French. I wasn't really defending myself. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always say, when you go overseas, you don't know exactly right, right. what's going to happen. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> But I appreciated so much your flexibility <laughs> and your willingness to go with the opportunity that God brought. Right. And I did feel bad that there wasn't more opportunity to interact with women, but God gave you some opportunity as yes. as time developed. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's right. And so that first day, I think I was there at both my training that I was doing and then came to your training. That first day as we stood before about, I don't know, 30 or 40 yeah. Uh, teachers, both men and women, yes. which was a little bit surprising. Yes. And tell me about some of the background that you learned about some of the teachers that were there as the week went on and as you got to know them a little bit better in terms of their context. Well, I I think, um, you know, they are there in the trenches working with young people and uh, children and and also in context with their church, I believe they, you know they they feel they have a mission to to show God to their students, and they were just wanting, you know, uh, wanting tool, to know the to tools yeah. to in, in with which to do that, and and um, very very sincere, um, open kind people who were very uh ready to to share yes. their experiences and and it was it was good i i learned so much from them and some of them yeah. were very young people yes call them 
college age, yes. 18, 19, 20, 21, and really don't have much preparation to go into a teaching environment at all. Right. And, so, and yet, like you said, they're there wanting to share Jesus with the young people who are from lots of different backgrounds. And I, a part of what I want to do to share with you listeners is just to recognize that God is on the move around the world in lots of different places, places that we don't even think about. We're consumed with the political issues, um, with latest happenings going on in our own world. And of course, we all have busy lives with business and family and just to be aware that when you step into different countries, different situations, God is doing things. And what, what do you see in terms of stories you heard, in terms of what you saw uh, and heard from the students that were a part of your class? What do you see and hear that God is doing, Kathy? Well, I, I think that the main thing that stood out to me was... Um, that you know there were several people in in the group who had been raised muslim and who had had a, an amazing encounter with the lord and was drawn to jesus christ and and their willingness to be open and share these these experiences with the rest of the group um i think it just knit us together as a community of Christians to to see how God uh, draws people to himself and through you know through different experiences, through maybe sickness, uh, he, uh, divine healing of these sicknesses or or just being drawn because uh, they see other Christians and they are drawn to God's truth yes. through them. Do you have a couple of stories of how you heard that or significant kinds of things that they shared with you that people would connect with? Well, there was a woman who rode with us every day and and uh, when we went to the church and uh, she she was very open about how she'd been raised a Muslim. Her father was an imam. Um how she had gotten very sick, her eyes had gotten, she was basically blind, and she w went from doctor to doctor, and apparently the, her family had quite a bit of money because they would even go out of the country. And to oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, to Sierra Leone and okay. different doctors, and nobody could help her. Nobody and they did lots of rituals? Yes, like yes. I think sacrifice chickens or rabbits. Right, they all have they have so those. Yeah, very <laughs> demonic from our perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. but nothing helped. And finally, you know, she, her her Christian friend said, "You need to pray, pray to God. You need to come to church." And 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 she kept saying, "I am a Muslim. I am not going to go to a church." <laughs> She was very adamant, and finally, she was desperate—so desperate because she was so sick and so um, miserable with her eyes and um, with her. I think she had palsy in her face, yes. and so she um, finally said, "Okay, I'm. I, I, 
I will go to a church. And she was, she prayed, the pastor prayed for her, and she began almost immediately to at least see shadows and uh, before she was completely blind. And so, uh, you know, just a gradual then healing of her, her body, from what I understand. It, we, it, we had the problem with the, the language. So sometimes yeah, I wasn't... Yeah, a little bit of English. Yeah. Uh, but uh, mainly French. And I so we'd spoke have no to, French. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we'd have to translate even on the car ride. Mm-hmm. And then I know her husband, her husband was also a student in my classes. And what I didn't realize until we arrived in this African country was that they have a very um, active school that they've started. Mm-hmm. And that was a part of why she was there. And she sat in on my classes as well that I had with pastors and leaders. And yes. so she'd sit there and then she'd go to Kathleen's class mm-hmm. and she'd tell about their all-night prayer meetings and yes. praying and fasting and a very giving person. Mm-hmm. She and her husband gave both Kathy and I outfits yes. and <laughs> just uh, remarkable kinds of things, like I say, that go on under the radar that we don't even realize is happening. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're teaching, you're teaching on different characteristics of who God is, basically. Is that, am I right in, in saying right. that? Right. Yeah. Right. And what did you see in terms of the response? Were they kind of catching on in terms of understanding and then how to teach some of those things? What kinds of techniques did you teach them? Well, to be honest, I I don't know if I taught them any techniques. I I think I just brought hmm. God's word to them, and yeah. um, and we 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 saw you know through His word how He works, right? How He cares for His people. Yeah, techniques was probably the wrong word. They were kind of looking for techniques. They might have uh, which been. Which <laughs> most of us uh, are looking for quick fixes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're you're right. I think the teaching that you were doing was really focusing on God's word and how to apply it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Exactly. One one of the days that I was that that I felt was the most I think received by the, the, the students was the day I shared about um, the difference between um, the Muslim God and our God, and how um, Allah is is aloof and he's not involved with his people, and how our God wants a relationship and comes repeatedly to his people. And we talked about many instances in the Old Testament where God physically came to um you know Abraham and and um you know different people and and shared you know this is what's happening Samson's parents you will have a son and this is how you will raise him and and um then I encouraged them to use these stories to to show their students how God cares about his people. He's not some aloof God who, who um, even when you're about ready to step into heaven, will decide, oh, no, you, you haven't been good enough and can sweep you away and send you off to hell. So um, 
Yeah, the the uh, Islamic understanding of God is very much the judgment scale. Yes, and fear, side. very fearful. Yeah, very fear um, because because they don't know he's uh, he Allah is so capricious. You know, he can just decide. Oh no, you don't deserve uh, to to be in heaven. Plus, in heaven, he's not even there. You don't even meet Allah in heaven. So we we anticipate uh, being physically being with our Lord and and um, fellowshipping with him and and the the Islam faith does not yeah the other thing I've had a hard time down through the years starting out is the Islamic view of women and how women play a role in faith uh, in Islamic fashion and I mean they're often very hidden away both in terms of in houses and even the way they dress and things and that's mm. pretty contrasting in terms of the Christian mm -hmm. women who are very open and involved. Mm -hmm. And even in my classes that I taught on uh, how to teach the Bible, how to understand and apply the Bible, and then develop messages, there were several women that were actively engaged in yes. learning and yeah, growing. They were very, yeah, they were very engaged. Yes. And participated and, in, yeah, the, exactly. in I, all I the discussions. I, I'm just and, looking yeah. outwardly, but I don't see that happening very often in Islamic mm -hmm. faith. Right. So what else? was there? Were there other kinds of things that you saw God at work through? And I, I think some of us have already probably heard I share a little bit through email and even on a Sunday morning just how the situation was rather hard in terms of our travel and the environmental conditions and so but that's a, I mean that's a part of it of uh, what you get into sometimes but other things other ways you saw God at work that you'd like to share well I was so impressed by um how involved Samuel and his wife are in their their little community yeah the primary pastor who is yes leading the uh, and, teaching yes. and he he worked so hard he he was so willing to to drive us you know those hard miles i i i would watch his face and he had to concentrate so much with all the traffic and the terrible roads and yeah an hour and a quarter to an hour and a half drive both ways yes and, and then i found out yeah. from one of the missionaries that that was only six miles <laughs> And I, I, I still can't believe that. I still think. But even if it were 15 miles. Yeah, I'd have to get out a map. And actually, I haven't actually done any research on that. And I thought, that can't be right. <laughs> but if it, even if it were twice but, but as much. It was still hard. 15 miles <laughs> yeah. for us is nothing, you know, compared to the hard... Yeah. the hard yeah. hour and a half that we and, were in the car. And the thing about it, the other thing, as I've been talking with people, and I said, you know, a lot of it would be like we were just going over these roads. They weren't gravel roads. They were just dirt roads with lots of bumps and washed out places. It'd be like us driving through your backyards here in town. <laughs> and... No, they the back, look their like backyards roads. have grass. <laughs> our, yeah, but our backyards are better than what we were traveling over. And yeah. even, even in that, uh, right. most of the people actually don't have cars. Right, right. Most just They walking. just walk. Right. Yeah. And so his wife, uh, I realized 
um, halfway through, or maybe more than halfway through the week, that his wife was cooking for every single person that was um, involved in the conference, all of your students. And then... Which were about 40, I think. I don't know. Maybe not quite that many. And then all but, of mine, yeah. Stu yeah. my students. Yeah. So at least 60 meals. Yeah, maybe 20, 30, 40. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. At least 50 to 60 yeah. meals yeah. every day. And then on our last day when you had the baptism and we had to go back to his house, I realized how she was cooking that food. It was on a, on a campfire in front of her house where she just was feeding wood into her little mm -hmm. fire, her little campfire in front of her house. And she was, had a big thing of rice and a big yes. thing of, of the sauce that was so delicious. And then she would put that on her head with her helpers. Of course, she had some young girls that were helping. And they would carry that, you know, how far do you think that was? At least four or five, six city blocks yeah. over, a, over a stream. <laughs> yeah, maybe a and, third and of a mile. Up and down the road. The, the Yeah. And I was so impressed by how hard she worked. Plus, she was a teacher in the school. So she was also helping teach um, in her off times. I don't know when those were. Maybe they let the children go um, early, home early. That It was Holy Week. So maybe the ch I know there was one day that I got to visit the school, and there were dozens of children there, many children. Yeah, they're not distracted much. But they did have a TV in their house, which I was kind of surprised at. But I don't think they're distracted much by watching TV or by playing video games or mm -hmm. all the kinds of things that we get distracted with. I was reminded a little bit of their example. I was doing a wedding for Jeff and Abby Stuffelbeam, who have been studying for the last three or four years at a missions college up in Minnesota, and they got married, and I was privileged to preside over their wedding ceremony. And they did a foot washing during the wedding ceremony, and we read from Philippians chapter 2, which says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then it goes on and it talks about how Jesus came and humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross, and that God exalts him to the highest place, gives him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. And I yeah. think of that passage both in light of the foot washing at the wedding and now that you're mentioning um, Samuel and his wife and just the example that uh, Samuel, and I, I'm trying to remember what his wife's name Grace. was. Grace. Grace, that's right. Samuel and Grace. Uh, the example that they had in terms of, like you said, serving from early in the morning, late at night, and really committed to the gospel. And they are seeing people come to faith. They're seeing people from Muslim background. And it's hard for us, perhaps, to picture 
the kinds of circumstances and the harshness of the environment, but God's at work there. And Mm -hmm. we had several other pastors that I got to know. Uh, One of the pastors has been planting a church uh, just from scratch Mm -hmm. in a uh, highly uh, Muslim area. And we met several missionaries who are translating the gospel, or translating the Bible, I should say, Mm -hmm. uh, from the native languages into, or, or from the original languages of Hebrew and Greek into the native languages and I felt like I'm right in the middle of the book of Acts here where people are right. taking the gospel <laughs> to unreached places. Yes. Yes, they don't only speak French. Um, they they have, you know, their own indigenous languages. Exactly. And so, tribal languages. Tri- that could tribal be languages, half a yes. million to two or three or four million people or more right. that speak those languages. Right. And, and with, with no... Bible translation that's ever been done among some of these native groups. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes they're either groups that would be worshiping many gods, tribal gods, or have some nominal kind of commitment to Islam. And so just cutting edge kinds of things that are going on in West Africa. Jake, you come up with any questions while you've been listening? Or... Things you've been thinking about? Um, I guess my question would be, if someone asked you, Kathy, hey, Pastor Tom just asked me to go on a trip with him, what advice would you give them and would you encourage them to go? Absolutely encourage them to go. Advice, um, be ready for anything. Take your uh, trail mix. Just in case. <laughs> yeah, it was just in case, and it was a good in case for us this it time. It was. <laughs> Usually, I have better access to food, but in this case, we ended up eating trail mix and jerky for breakfast. And, uh, and bananas. Picking up some fruit, yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's just the way it went, and we ate African yeah. food mm-hmm. a lot of the other time. Yeah, um, there were there were an abundance of the fruit, and I was so looking forward to bringing some of that fruit home and then, you know, nope, you won't be able to it's do any of that. By the U.S. government. <laughs> so I had to leave my mangoes in the fridge for the missionaries. Yeah, there. in fact, so. <laughs> when you're coming into the country, they go and when you come into the U.S., they ask you, Yeah. do you have fruit or... They have dogs like sniffing, not for drugs, but for fruit, for food in your, in your backpacks. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> A fruit sniffing dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd love to have anybody who senses that God's calling you to be involved in Mm -hmm. training and encouraging others. And my mission that I sense God has called me to is to do teaching. And so that's where my heart is, where my skills are at, where my spiritual gifts are at. But almost always there are other opportunities with... uh, whatever skills you bring along where we can plug in or just coming along just to get to know and encourage people and hang out with them. They they always like to have Americans come and just get to know them. And so all these opportunities are available. Uh, it would take some planning and preparation, and I don't always know exactly where I'm going. Uh, but um, usually we have three to six months uh, beforehand where I know and just let me know and we'll start praying about it and talking about it. 
Yeah. You talked about cool opportunities, but you also, you got to do a baptism? Yeah, that was something I've never done before. And so we, early in the morning, on Easter morning, in fact, oh, we awesome. headed down to this stream, and I was a little bit leery of what the stream would be like because we'd seen some water near the church that was very polluted, and or looked very polluted. And I didn't know whether this other stream would be okay, but it was running water and the water was flowing fairly well. And so I was confident we were okay. And so, yeah, I got to do five baptisms, all young people, teenagers, basically. Mm -hmm. And they were solid as far as I could tell in their testimonies. And then, um, yeah, we just had a good celebration together. And then we went back to the church and they were brought up front during the Easter service, and mm-hmm. people encouraged them, and so that was, yeah, that was a very special opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. Last question I have is, especially for you, Kathy, but Tom, you can answer as well, what is, what did you learn about God or the church on this trip? Well, I learned uh, about the church there in, in this little village. People were joyful. And, um, they, they were, no matter what the circumstances, they were, you know, they were joyful in the Lord and their singing and their expression with each other, loving and caring and kind toward each other and toward the other people in the community. I could see God working through, through the church within the community and I, I was encouraged by that, to see that. And I was reminded the picture in the book of Revelation is that there are peoples from every nation, every tribe, every people, language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And it talks about being around the throne of God and the angels around the throne, around the elders, the four living creatures fell down on their faces saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And so you've probably heard us talk about reaching unreached peoples. And I've kept an eye on this for many years. And people that do the study of unreached people groups will note that slowly the gospel is going out to unreached peoples all across the world and to be in a place where I'm interacting with both local people, uh, local evangelists, church planters, and church planters from the West who are taking the gospel to unreached peoples. For me, it was like, yeah, it's really happening. And Jesus, come quickly. And so that was a big takeaway for me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And I hope you're challenged and encouraged both to pray and to consider what your role is in God's work here and around the world. Blessings to you all. Thanks for listening.